Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, tuning in from around the world and all across the United States of America. This is the host of the one and only Dominate the Deal, Steve Zekas, the Sinatra Suave. Today's honorary guest is a good friend of mine, Renee Wyman. He is from Germany, and he made it to playing Division II basketball in Germany. He had inspirations to playing professional basketball, didn't quite make it to the next step, but he built a solid foundation with his, with his athletic background and worked as a personal trainer for athletes. He has established a kick-ass online business and coaches people in person and mentors them. His main goal is to make athletes jump higher, run faster, in addition to avoiding and overcoming injuries. He has helped a lot of high-performance athletes reach their full potential as high-performance athletes, and I'm super excited to have him on and share his story with you. Renee, welcome to Dominate the Deal. Hello, Steve, and uh, thank you for the great intro, and uh, yeah, good morning to all the people in the U.S. listening. Good afternoon to everyone here from Europe. Absolutely, man. Thank you for coming on. I want to jump right into it. You decided to play basketball at a young age did you always decide to play basketball was that the main goal for you as a kid to play professional basketball um I would say it took some time um because uh when I was really young I would say six to ten years old I uh just loved movement on all of its shades I played a lot of football or soccer as we say here in Europe um football and uh, also I was at a track and field group where we did like sprinting jumping all of the things you do as a kid and um, I never really noticed basketball when I was very young but I was always trying to try out new things and was a very playful kid we went outside a lot I felt like I'm a little bit um, satisfied with that because uh, like the media and the internet and all those things haven't been that big uh, 20 years ago. So uh, I had a great time. I was outside all day long, especially in summer. But when I was like 13, I somehow discovered basketball. I think it was through a video game. I'm not sure. But um, I really found, interested in that found interest in that sport. And it somehow it was very, very special to me. And I wanted to... Like the first thing I wanted was get into a club and play a little bit of basketball. Like I, I, I could go outside. I, I bought I bought a basketball first of all. Of course, I went outside. Uh, I practiced my shot and all these things, and uh, I just loved it. And I wanted to play with other people because not so many people here in Germany play basketball. Like not compared to soccer. And um, I wanted to get into a club, and then I realized I'm. I was pretty good at that club because I was already kind of athletic. You know, I was running around all day. I was doing track and field, doing those sprints, and I kind of had an athletic body. And um, then I developed my basketball skills, like, very rapidly, and I turned out to be really good. And for some reason at that point, I really only wanted to do this the rest for the rest of my life. And that's somehow how my dream, I would say, at the age of 14, 15, um, turn out to be or to try to be a professional basketball player got you i got you and when you decided to take it to the next level what stopped you was it a injury that slowed down your career made you reflect and say hey you know what 
maybe, maybe I lost some of that passion, but how can I still take the experience that I have and transform it to business? Was there ever a point like that? I would say I always had one big struggle, uh, which was my, my height. I am not, not even six foot tall, which is very small for a basketball player, considering wanting to be a professional. And um, that didn't stop me. That even uh, got me more because I was looking for training programs that would help me just, just to jump higher. Uh, so at the age of 15, I tried to get everything I could, uh, like uh, books, DVDs, even the internet was a little bit uh, like, of course, YouTube wasn't that big. It was like, I was 15, it was 2005, 2006, like at that age. Uh, um, I was just looking for things to get better and I somehow realized that there's no really, really good training program for making a young kid jump higher. And then I just tried out exercises and created my own training plans, something that really helped me uh, developing as a personal trainer later, that I started doing these things very, very early. And uh, that didn't really stop me. But... Um, you know, I did a lot of, I think I did a lot of bad exercises because I had to try out all of those things. And um, especially in terms of human body movement and how important uh, like movements in general are and strength training, I was lacking because it wasn't covered by these training programs. And um, then I, I, I got some, I wouldn't say injuries, but I had a lot of pain that slowed my process down, like back pain, knee pain, all those things. I never had a really bad injury that made me like sit out for six months, but I always had some things and I couldn't really uh, develop to that person I wanted to be. And then uh, at some point I, I said to myself, uh, you have to admit that you won't make it to that goal you always, always wanted to be there. And um, so I just uh, decided for to get to get my knowledge somewhere else and i had the idea of making online business kind of early i think at the age of 21 it just took a f took some time to to uh get to that point but yeah i i decided that pretty early i would say and what would you say throughout the experience you had being an athlete and then taking your personal training business, starting an online business and mentoring coaches as well as high performance athlete, what would you say are some of the two or three core lessons that you've learned and reflected on from all your experience so far? I would say first thing, and uh, I think you will highly agree with this, is uh, that you need someone who really helps you. You need a good coach. Um, if you're young and you try to do things on your own, of course you get some special feedback and you learn things an absolutely different way. But if I would have had someone who just told me, yeah, maybe you should consider this and that because, you know, I was 15, 16, 17 years old. Yeah. Um, I could not uh, figure all of those things out by my, by myself. So having a person, having a mentor or a coach or someone, just someone who is a, uh, who's there for you, I would even say this is more important than um, the knowledge of that person. The knowledge is also important, oh, definitely, but um, just to be there for you, to, to uh, help you through the process, this is, I think, very important. And um, 
Yeah, another thing is, uh, of course, not to uh, be afraid of failure. Trying out things is very, very important, especially as a kid, but also for adults. Um, because you can only find new ways when you try out something new. I hear that. I hear that. And that applies very well to business as well. Just because like entrepreneurs, the really successful ones, they're always trying out new things. If they fail, they're, they're almost like they're falling forward while they fail. And then they are able to kind of step back, look at it and say, okay, how can I do it better? Instead of just beating themselves up. Yeah, and also uh, I would say I wouldn't I would not also say that all of those all of those things that didn't work for me were like bad in general. I think especially in in training and with my um, knowledge I have now, I can say that uh, there are some things that work for a certain amount of people and for others they don't work in strength training, in athletic training, in speed training, and everything, and. Um, that's also you have to try out even with when you when you when you already know everything when you're a personal trainer when you say you have great training programs you cannot put a certain training program on every single person it always has to be some type of individual part in there that's very important and do you think that's why a lot of personal trainers who want to take their business to the next levels and scale it up do you think that's why they fail because they try to treat different individuals the same and tie it into one program? Um, definitely. I think definitely some of them fail because they uh, feel like, I think most people who do personal training, they uh, had some type of uh, success with a certain training program, either with themselves or with someone they trained. And then they think this is the gold thing. I have to apply this to everyone and it will work. And they forget to uh, individualize those things. And that's also why personal training online is a very difficult thing. When you coach someone one-on-one, -on -one, you can react to what's happening. And you can, you can, it's, it's a lot easier to, uh, to just individualize those things. But when you do an online co coaching program, um, of course, when you do like video sessions or when you are in, when you give feedback from your athlete or from your clients as you would say uh there it gets easier and you can also react to those things but from what i know even when you uh when you uh tell your clients you can you can always get feedback from me we can do video calls we can do this we can do that everything's individual there are always and i say always people sometimes 50 percent, sometimes more who never ever reply to you it's just the online word a lot of people are afraid of uh, of using those tools of asking questions. They rather stay in their own uh, box and they do their training, but they do not really uh, use the the uh, these tools to just communicate with the coach. And um, yeah, that makes it really hard sometimes. And would you you mentioned that they're there, but they're almost not there mentally it's like they're almost going through the motions how do you personally with your personal training business that you've established renee how do you find the right clients how do you find the right high performance athletes and coaches to help improve themselves perfectly what do you look for what are some of like the core attributes and values that you look at 
Um, of course, as I said, in the online world, this is hard because you always have people, uh, they sign up for your course, they sign up for your training and they never show up. You don't even know if they do it, honestly, but it's just that uh, this is just some, uh, something with the online world in general that you uh, just don't have control over this and this will always happen. There's like no way uh, to go around. Of course you could do like a requirement uh, of video online coaching sessions, but then you always, then you already do the same what personal trainers do outside in one-on-one -on -one coaching that you just trade your time for money and um, you don't really use the, uh, the true purpose of online business that you want to reach out to more people and get more people connected and help more people. This is not going to work because you don't have the time for this. So you will always have people who are, uh, somehow they don't show up, they don't do anything. But, um, the question was more about like what, uh, people really succeed or, or what, what was the thing? Um, what I, what I mean is, looking because you coach a lot of high performance athletes and my question is if you say have a hundred people and you're looking at these athletes it could be at a track and field meet it could be um could be at a football combine for a bunch of college kids a bunch of collegiate football players how do you personally like, what do you look for? Do you believe, say, in the right mindset? Do you believe in determination? Like, can you just tell just by going through a personal training session or going through a month of personal training with somebody, with an athlete, a track and field athlete, say, and know right away that this is a guy that has a great foundation. He wants to be here. He's motivated. And he really... There's just something special about him. Uh, yeah, I would say, first of all, um, if you really want to know a little bit about the mindset of someone, like one training session does not help you. Um, and also I would say uh, that this is the more important part. Just from my experience, uh, I coached some super, super talented people. They could have made it to Olympics, to world championships, to wherever, to world records. But at some point when that person uh, is psychologically not made for this, it will never work. Like you, you have to have a very special mindset to be successful in sports. Um, you have to have a good relationship to, towards failure because it's always going to happen. Okay. Um, you always have to be very... Um, aware of situations you'll try to constantly improving even some people even say it's good to be a little bit obsessed about what you do um and when you have just have those people like uh someone who's like really good at high jumping and um like the 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 body is perfect the the muscles seem to be like a lot, a lot of fast twitch muscle fibers so like everything is there, it's talented, there's this boy or the girl. But when he or she, when down the stretch, when they just do the same mistake over and over again, and even or even get injured because of this, and they constantly, they stand up and run against the same wall again, at some point you can't help them anymore and they won't be successful. 
So uh, you can have the best body, you can have even the best training system, you can have anything. If you do not focus and if you do not respect some things, it won't work for you. I gotcha. And one, one point I really wanted to say was you mentioned you got to have a specific mindset. And when you have the right specific mindset, it can help you create very specific goals. For you personally, what would you say with respect to your business? What do you think some specific goals are for you for the next three to five years? Do you see yourself collaborating with you know, mentors maybe that you were a protege to? Do you see like a big back end for your personal training business? Do you see yourself um, taking your business globally and training even more high performance Olympic athletes and professional athletes. Just give me some insight as to those goals. Um, first of all, I am not a person that sets very specific goals long-term because I always found out that they are a lot different in the end. And um, I have short-term goals, like I would say less than a year. I also have like dreams and long-term goals, but I love to have them not too specific. Uh, some people would agree with would, would, would disagree with that, but yeah, that's just how I uh, do it. But still, as I said, um, first of all, the online world, um, I already explained the disadvantage that it has. And um, that's also the reason why I, when I just have the choice, what I love to do more, I always prefer to work, to go outside on a, in the gym or on a, on a, on a track or wherever and just coach people. I always prefer to do that. And also that is why in a few years I see myself doing something like this more than the other. The online world is great to reach out from, to more people and to have some products there that can help a lot of people. But if you really want to dig deep and if you really want to follow your passion, I would rather choose personal training over online coaching. And uh, that's why I also, I, of course, what I do is very specific. And uh, the, the training programs I have, they do not serve a lot of people, which is also why I think they're pretty successful. Like micro niches and things, um, you want to serve something for a smaller amount of people and that that you create something that is specially, special for them. Um, but the thing is, of course, you have something bigger in mind when you do those things. And one one big thing that I have in mind and what would be... Uh, really, really, a dream of my my of mine uh, at some day is creating something because, like, in the last in the last couple of weeks, months, even years, um, a lot more people come here with injuries uh, that they cannot they have pain they can't do their practice and these things and I feel like this is increasing and just to create a program for everyone just to learn some basic movement principles to move better, to move more and to live a more healthier and also happier life. Then this is like something I would love to do, but um, this is like just an idea at this point. Of course I could create it, but I don't have the, I do not reach out to many people at this point as I would to, to, to make this happen. And um, that's like something I work on right now. That's why I do podcasting. That's why I try to use social media more and all of these things and just to uh, first of all grow inside of my niche and then at some point get outside of this. And another thing 
uh, when I just said that I prefer personal training over online coaching, it's just that I would love, I, I will, I, I train with a lot of track and field athletes, with a lot of basketball athletes, with a lot of other athletes from other sports. And it's great to combine them and it would be just it's great to have a facility where all of them can come together and where you can uh, coach them maybe in groups or in workshops or with other coaches. And just to have this, this is like a dream of me where I see myself in five or 10 years. But as I said, uh, I don't like it to be too specific um, in terms of where should that be. I, I prefer warmer climate. I really don't like it here in, in Germany in winter. You cannot go outside. You can train that much outside. But yeah, I don't, I don't say like, I want to have this in Australia at that with when I'm 34 and with these many people. And I, ha I love to have some things a little bit more open because I know uh, they will be different anyway in the end. That was my experience with these things. I gotcha. And sometimes seems like when you have an idea, it can be a challenge to implement it because you don't know quite where you want to take it, where you want to go with it i think that's an interesting point you said not setting super long-term goals because they can be different when you do arrive to that point three to five years down the road but it can be challenging some sometimes of course that. you can of course you can set a, a long-term goals but you should be flexible with them i think that's the important part like some people love to set themselves goals. They, they, they visualize like, how does my life look like in 10 years? And that's great. And I, 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 I don't want to tell anyone to not do this, but still you have to be flexible. Like at some point when something, when you see something is not going that way, you don't have to force it when you feel like the other way that it's going can be also good. Gotcha. So don't force it. If it's, if it's not working right away, just pivot your strategy a little bit and then yeah, just be, just be flexible with it. Gotcha. What was, what would you say was like the biggest challenge? Maybe, maybe it was your business. Maybe it was outside of your business. You personally that you were faced with, how did you overcome that personal obstacle, that adversity? Um, I felt like the, the amount of challenges increased the older I got, <laughs> but, um, I would still say, uh, that of course it was a big challenge to just decide at some point, very young, with a lot of dreams to say, um, I don't want to put in more time to pursue this goal, which is like impossible to make it to. And to say, I quit my basketball career. I still played a little bit like in, in, in those teams and I was still pretty young and I enjoyed playing. But I, I, I said to myself, okay, this is not where the goal is for you. Uh, because even back then, I, I, um, I was coaching some groups of kids, like track and field, like just basic, like non-professional, just kids. But it was so much fun. And I could uh, use my knowledge that I already had so, so well. And it just worked so great for me that this was a lot more pleasurable goal for me to uh, give my knowledge that I have now, which I got a little bit too late to others. But, but to face that and to, to tell yourself, okay, this is not the thing. Of course, it's your dream, your big thing, but uh, do something else instead. There is like There are like other things that can be very, very satisfying for you as well. I think that was a big challenge. And I think I 
made the right decision. I hear you. I I hear you. Um, with res with respect to your experience and everything that you learned, what's one skill that really separates you from the crowd? Like what, what makes you so unique? Cause there are a lot of coaches, mentors out there for high performance athletes. What's, what's one skill that you have, but like nobody really knows about you. Even someone who's very close to you. Um, that's a great question. And uh, I would say when we, when I just follow what other people say about me, um, a lot of people tell me that just my presence and the way how I explain things are really, really good. And um, also these people that I coach in, in, in person, they tell me that because they also know my online things and they say that some of this gets lost online just by not being, not being there. It's not that I'm a bad coach online. A lot of people there are very satisfied with my training programs as well. But a lot of people who know both sides of me, they say that um, my presence and the, just the way how I explain things are very, very special. And um, yeah, I would say that no one knows about me. That's a hard question mm, because the things you are good at, most people normally know, know you for those things. So I, I would say this is, this is the big thing. Some people know it, but um, yeah, just how I, how I am able to explain things and how my presence affects other people. But also, do you really try to emphasize when you're coaching these high performance athletes and the coaches for other high performance athletes? Do you, keep things regimented or do you like to throw your own little flair, have a, have fun while you're helping these kids transform into unlocking their full potential as these high performance athletes? Mm -hmm. Having fun is very important, especially when you work with younger people. I would say also with adults, just people do not think of this enough, but I think it's important for everyone. And also it's very important to never think that you are always uh, correct at what you say. Like I even tell my youngest sportsman that I, I train with some, some kids I train with, they are uh, 11 or 12 years old. I tell them um, everything that I tell you can be wrong. Yeah. I, I, it's just the best way I know now. And in most cases, I think I'm telling you the right thing. But if you just feel like, in your, if you feel inside your body, something, what I said is wrong, just tell me. Yeah? I will always listen to you when you say, I think you, you said that wrong. And um, maybe that's also one thing a lot of coaches don't do. And um, what makes me also some type of special. And uh, yeah, just ones. Uh, think that everything you do is 100% correct it's just the best way you provide try to provide the best way you can but always be open for something new even from your clients even from people where you wouldn't have expected that they will tell you something you do is wrong and would you say that's how you're able to build great relationships with these high performance athletes because a lot of people go to coaches for 
the skill on how to improve the performance. But I feel like you have the knowledge based on all your experiences as an athlete yourself, but you seem to be unique just because you can build great relationships in that way and build oh, yes. a winning team around you. Oh yes, definitely. Um, and I must say like not all people I ever coached are high performance athletes. Like we started out with some groups here with kids and um, not all of them became like high performance athletes. And that's also not the, the, the idea behind it. I love to talk. I love to coach kids just to show them that they can be, when they can be successful at training and at sports, even if they don't make it to a professional level, they can be successful everywhere. And this is just a great thing. And um, like I started very early and some of those kids I trained are adults now and some of them are my best friends. So I definitely built some great relations, relationships through all of this. That's great. That's great. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. And oh, yeah. you just have, you have very positive energy in what you do. I could tell that you, of course, that you love what you do and it sounds cliche of, Oh, you got to love what you do, but being in business for yourself, like taking a step back, it's almost like some days, even when it is hard, you say, you know what, today was a tough day, but I still love what I do. It doesn't feel like a challenge to you personally. Do you also with these kids, with these athletes that you train, do you also help them find out what they're really good at outside of sports? Do you try to build them up as people? outside of just athletes as well? Yes, um, I, I can only answer that with yes. Because um, when I started doing all of this, of course I wanted to bring uh, people to another level in terms of sports. But after some years I realized that there's a lot more to it. And um, even when I became more and more friends with some people I trained with, because they got older, uh, I, I realized that you can't make everyone a great sportsman, especially kids. There will be always some ones who uh, just won't make it. But still, if you can give them the mindset that um, you just have to be the best version of yourself and see where it goes. And if you fail, just uh, look at it and learn from it and be positive all the time. This helps. This When you compare this to how the school system works or how sometimes the relationship between parents and kids are uh, a lot of this is lacking in those institutions, in those family things. And uh, <clears throat> that's why I would say definitely yes. And uh, I'm just in the end, when I have some athletes, a group of kids and I have 10 of them and uh, maybe only one of them or even no one of them makes it to a professional level. When I know in the end, when they are adults, that they knew or that they learned from this, that they just have to stay positive, to find their passion and to live a pleasurable life, then I'm happy with this, with the outcome. And how do you, is there a certain way that you teach your kids to be positive? Because I know it sounds like a really generic question. Is there anything that you do when you're in a negative state or when an athlete just is really getting down on himself, how do you in those moments 
change your state from a negative one to a positive one? Because I feel mindset's very important. I think, first of all, you have to spread the positivity on your own. That's the first big thing. You can't force this on someone. But as long as other people see that you are positive and that you have the energy, that's a very big part of it. And I cannot always do that, but I'm trying. Uh, and it's also not about always doing it, just about like the whole picture should look positive. That's very important. And I think when someone is making a negative experience, especially kids, uh, you should be there for them, but you should not overwhelm them or force them into something because this usually fails. Uh, oftentimes parents do that. Like when the kid is having a bad time, a trauma, whatever, something bad happened to them, they always try to force their help onto them and, and tell them what to do. And they do not let them experience this on their own. And I think it's very important for kids to, to deal with bad things on their own, but still you have to be there for them. And, but it's a fine line, I think, to, to uh, be there for someone and at the other point to not do too much. But I think that's the most important thing. And do you think that's why you mentioned the, uh, you mentioned parents in the school system. You just, you just mentioned that before. I remember you saying that. Is that what you're alluding to? Not trying to force what you know down a kid's throat, being able to read the room kind of and let the kid come to his own conclusions? Is that what you mean? I would say, I would say kids just have to make that. That is the point. And um, sorry, can you hear me? There was like a connection. Oh, yeah. I can hear you loud and clear. Okay, good. I, um, what I was wanting to say was, um, I think giving kids their own experience is the most important part and just to let them, uh, yeah, as I said, not forcing them into something and, um, giving them the time to, to think about some things on their own. And I would say sometimes school and parents are not really good at doing this, giving kids some time and just being there for them and saying, it's okay. Uh, I'm here for you. Take your time. I think that that is that is lacking in today's society. I agree. It's almost like parents are just they're pressuring their kids to being successful. And that's how I feel a lot of athletes get burned out because they have all these overwhelming expectations put on them through just this unwanted pressure and these unrealistic expectations. And then they start thinking of something that they love to do. And they turn it into a job. It's like, oh shit. Yeah, absolutely. I, it's like, absolutely. oh shit, I have to go to practice or oh shit, I got another game. Instead of saying, damn, let's go. Let's let's go out here and kick this team's ass. Let's take first place. I think the purpose of school should just be to show children how the world looks like, to experience it for them, to show them what what is going on around here. And then to give them the time to look inside themselves and find out why am I really here? What's, what's my purpose in life? Mm -hmm. When school would do this, it would be a great service for humanity and for everyone. I agree. So do you believe that within the education system, within the school system, do you believe there should be mentors there to really help hone in on what the kids are good at? Like say, not because not everyone's artistic, but maybe, maybe I'm an artistic guy, 
and you're forcing me to teach math. What if there was a way that you have mentors there to focus on what kids are really good at and then just hone in on that and flood them with that? I feel like a lot more people would be happy with what they do. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. It's just um, there should be people who are really resonating with the thing they teach. I think, I think it's about the teachers or mentors, as you would say. Um, they shouldn't be uh, teachers like the way they are. They should be really loving the thing they do. And um, they, would, they would just give all of these a, a, a much bigger value and kids would, would, would just start to feel what, what, what the person talks about. And it's not just about, oh, yeah, I got to learn uh, math now or biology and it's annoying and the teacher is annoying and everything. I would rather go somewhere else. I hear you. I hear you on that. And I know you, you said you're from Germany. So I've been watching the NBA playoffs lately. I got to ask you. Have you ever met Dirk Nowitzki? No, I haven't met Dirk Nowitzki. I think since I, uh, I think he was already in the NBA when I started following it for a few years, and um, it was great to see him over there. But yeah, he's he's. I think normally he was closer to you than closer to me. So met him behavior and how he is he has a lot of fans here and there big idol here for a lot of people and um also one of the best players ever with his statistics and how long he just played on that constant high level and i think uh he really deserved to have that one championship title that was very important for him and i'm really glad that he made this oh i agree he he even beat lebron he beat lebron james by himself when he had chris bosh and Dwayne wade and and lebron I mean, that was yeah. like prime Miami Heat, and he just he whooped that ass himself. Figure it out. No, just I can I can remember that that playoff series, that final series. It was amazing to see that. It's incredible. I t I'll tell you one guy I really like to outside of Dirk Nowitzki. One guy I really like to interview is Mark Cuban. He would be a guy I'd love to have. And just talk about like how he was able to be such a big success, especially with that championship. I think that'd be really interesting to hear his side of things. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you with that. Mark Cuban must be a great. I think he could, could also tell a lot of stories that are very interesting. Oh, for sure. He, he seems like a great, great guy, great personality, outgoing. But he's also, I feel like he's a great listener. And I feel like that's one thing you have to have as a coach. Would you agree with that? That being a great listener is vital to being successful? I think you froze for a second, your voice. Oh, not a problem. But you you heard that being a great listener would you say that's vital for being a successful coach and mentor but more than anything just successful in life no yes i i agree with that because it's just what i said that uh, you have always have to be open for other opinions 
to just improve. And um, I would say I'm a great listener as well when I tell a 11-year-old girl, tell me whenever something you feel like it, what I said is wrong. I would say um, I'm a good listener as well. And I would say, yeah, that's very, very important. I feel that. I feel that. Well, anything else that you'd like to say? Any, anything you'd like to give any person you'd like to give a shout out to? Anything you'd like to mention before we go outside of your Go Vertical Raw podcast? Um, that's a great opportunity, but um, <laughs> wow, to give a shout out to a person. Um, first of all, I have to thank you for this idea to make uh, two podcast episodes at once because I, I never really heard of this and I'm really, uh, it's really interesting to do this, to do this with you. And I would just, I would just give a shout out if someone of them is listening. I know I have some, I, I have a track and field group here in Germany and um, some of them are following at least my podcast and maybe through this conversation, they will listen to you as well. But um, this is like a project that I follow for uh six or seven years now and um it wasn't always easy but like how these how these kids uh train and how they uh just developed together with me was such a big thing for me and it it is uh like one thing that just gave me all these opportunities and so many ideas so every one of them who's listening thank you just for uh being there and that i can be your coach Absolutely, man. Heart, heartfelt right there from high performance coach Renee Wyman here. But I just got two questions that I thought of right now. All right. Five, four or five of your biggest inspirations. That's question number one. And question number two, if you could meet any five people in the world, any five, who would you want to meet and talk about life with and why? Okay. That's a great question. Um, first of all, I would say that um, those, I would say those inspirational people and those I want to meet are, some of them are definitely the same because I haven't met all of the people that, that have been an inspiration for me. And, um, well, five people in right now. Um, I remember one thing. It's a bit controversial, I think. Um, and it's not maybe not the most inspirational person that I've met and maybe not the, the, the one that is most important to me. But I just think about this right now because we talked about football and about basketball. But um, when I was watching the NFL a little bit more, when I, when I quit basketball, I started to, to watch football. And... Um, you definitely remember Michael Vick, the guy that got like in prison because of the dog things. And then he started to play again and uh, how he played. And I never knew from his past at that point. I just saw him play. Yes. That was, that was very amazing. And I just found out about all of his history after then. And um, just how he came out of this and just play at such a high level again. And I think he almost, I think they almost beat the Green Bay Packers that year. And in the end, the Packers went on to win the the whole uh, Super Bowl in that year. I don't remember what was what year was that. I think twenty. I think it was. Yeah, it was either the 2010, 2011 season or the 20, uh, 2009, 2010. It was one Something of those. Like 
something like that. And they played the wild card game and they almost they almost uh, took down the Packers. I think it was a very close game. And that was just a person and I would love to meet him and to, to, to talk to him because I love controversial people for some reason. And just to see how how his own, how he would explain all of this in his own words. So that would be interesting. Who no, I, then? Hmm? No, I, I, I agree with that. It's... I feel like everyone loves an underdog story. I mean, just look at t- one person I will even throw at you. You mentioned Michael Vick. I think that would be that would be a very, although he's controversial, it'd be interesting to hear his story and how he's moved on from that particular low point in his life. But I would also say Tiger Woods. That's somehow that goes the same path, yeah. For some reason, yeah. yeah, that's very interesting as well. But I wouldn't mind sitting down with Tiger Woods and just hearing his that. Because like you said, you know, sports is cliche as it is. Everyone loves an underdog. And look how low Tiger's life was, but how he was able to just stay resilient and bounce back, win the Masters. Uh, that's very inspirational. Yeah, um, Definitely. And um, yeah, some, some other person, of course, we talk about Dirk Nowitzki. I think he would be on the top five as well because I just love the basketball sport so much. And, um, and uh, um, he's, like, he's like a hero here and in the U.S. as well. And uh, that would be interesting to meet him. Also, I would love to talk to, uh, I don't know if you know him, Michael Boyle at one day. He's, uh, uh, I think, the inventor of functional training. Like he's very, very well known in the U.S. fitness world for that. Do you know him? I can't say I do, honestly. Michael Boyle, like all of the, but you heard heard of functional training. I think everyone knows this term. Yes, it's like something he he created, and um, just a lot of books that he published about functional training, functional movement. They have been so uh, inspiring for me at a younger age because, as I said, I. I had a lot of things I looked through, a lot of books, DVDs, everything. And uh, from all of this that I would say is the best right now, his things didn't change a lot. Like, like um, there is still a lot of those things that he wrote 10 years ago that are still uh, very important to me and that I still uh, use in my training. Although I always try to develop and try to get better. Sure. Give me an example of one thing that you that he wrote about ten years ago that is still practical today. I would say one thing is mm, what I knew from the beginning as a kid, but no one, no coach really noticed it. That um, you cannot use static stretching right before you go into a speed strength training, into a basketball game, into a sprint, into a very intense plyometric session, because it just uh, elongates your muscle fibers and everything, and it doesn't really prepare you for uh, for athletic performance. And still, I felt like 90, 95% of the people 10 or 15 years ago did this before every game, before every competition. Like that was one thing. That is still, and like right now, I think uh, everyone uh, agrees with that, but it was like very special back then. I hear you. I was, when I was a little kid, it was always the static stretching first. 
Exactly. Just as I said, everyone did this, but like right now, no one does it anymore. I think people, people got over it and it is not bad static stretchings can be very important, but it's more like a relaxation, regeneration, something you can do on your off day or after your practice or, you know, but it's not good for preparation of plyometric or athletic movement. I hear you. So do you, cause we talked a little bit earlier, you know, you mentioned how you want to help kids grow as people. And that's a very spiritual approach. One thing that you just said is you really don't focus on static stretching as much. You focus more on the performance side of it. Do you recommend yoga to your athletes for overcoming like nagging injuries and pains that they suffer in sports? First of all, I, I, I personally do yoga a lot because I just love to do it because I love the connection between a body and mind, something that you do not get from a lot of physical work you do. And of course I recommend it to others, but I recommend a lot of things. I, I, I Honestly, I recommend to just try out something new every now and then uh, because your, your body uh, often just grows, no matter if you're talking about strength growth in terms of strength or in terms of flexibility or in terms of, um, there is a great word like um, movement complexity is a great word. develop things I, I i go cycling i go swimming i try to do everything that is possible and um or other things like very deep things like um um there's the feldenkrais method uh, Fel, uh moshe feldenkrais is a is a famous practitioner he made his own method that is very deep into it's a somatic exercise where you really try to use a very small body movements and to connect them to your brain. And uh, like these things are great and I highly recommend to try out all of this. And uh, yoga, is, yoga is great, I think. I feel like some of the athletes I train with, they love to do it as well. Some, some, some hate it, but some of them love to do it. And I see that uh, it helps them a lot in terms of flexibility, in terms of just uh, feeling and also in terms of the connection between the brain and those muscles and tendons. I hear you. I hear you there. And one more point I'd like to ask you real quick would you say that yoga is important because it really helps strengthen the mind muscle connection and why do you believe it's so important to have a very a very strong mind to muscle connection because a lot of people you know they work out right they do it for strength purposes they do it just to say i can deadlift a thousand pounds or I could squat 700 pounds, but 
they turns out those people they get injured more than somebody who's like a quarter of the size of them do you believe why do you believe in the mind muscle connection and do you believe that the more flexible you are the more pliable you are the less chances you get of of being injured um i would say first of all that um it is a little bit more about the evolution how we developed as as an animal that we are uh into the human high performance uh civilization that we are right now um our bodies are meant to move every day for every reason to to get food to just um to to just survive and um the brain just uh developed later and it developed very fast and i don't think that the evolution or the code or our dna uh has developed that that fast as well and that's why a lot of people into doing it and they do not play a lot and they do not uh, like um they do not play anymore they do not uh i'm missing a word right now like they um they don't explore explore is the word they do not explore their bodies anymore they just do sports as something that they have to do and then they look for some uh passion inside of it like okay i love playing basketball it's kind of cool i do this or i love cycling or i just go jogging outside or i do as you said deadlifts or weight training but they 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 lose the connection even more through that and um i think that's always a point that can uh give you stress and also injury possibly and that's why i would say it's very important to to go into movement and into sports with a very playful mindset and with a very explorable mindset that you just want to try out new things and just be the kid that you are inside yourself i hear that i hear that loud and clear my friend well this is thank you again for coming on renee i truly enjoyed having this amazing conversation with you this is steve zeke it's the sinatra suave host of the one and only dominate the deal podcast feel free to subscribe to dominate the deal on anchor and itunes and feel free to leave a review also follow renee wyman's podcast on itunes go vertical raw where he brings in some of the top minds in coaching high performance athletes and mentors as well this is Steve Zekas signing off on another episode of Dominate the Deal. Stay tuned for the next episode to not only know how to dominate the deal, but more importantly, dominate life. I'll see you all soon. Thank you again, Renee.